G'day, Darren Mitchell here. Welcome back to another episode of the Exceptional Sales Leader Podcast. Today, I had the absolute privilege of speaking with Kim Addis, the founder of Frame of Mind Coaching and the co-founder of the journal That Talks Back. Love talking to coaches, love talking to coaches with Kim's experience and her expertise. Uh, She's run a phenomenal business over the last 20 years. She is a serial entrepreneur, a author, speaker, coach, and mum of five. And in this particular episode, we talk about the importance of coaching and how journaling can actually be a game changer for leaders and how we can help leaders become better coaches. So it is a fantastic conversation. If you'd like to know more about uh, Kim and a frame of mind coaching, please check out the show notes uh, on this particular episode. And without further ado, let's get to the episode. Welcome to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast with Darren Mitchell. If you're a sales leader looking to take your leadership to a whole new level, then this is the podcast for you. We'll be exploring tips, techniques, and strategies to help you take your leadership to the exceptional level and allow you to enjoy more money, more meaning, and better sales results. Welcome back to the Exceptional Sales Leader Podcast. This is Darren Mitchell and another very special guest uh, today coming all the way from Toronto, Canada at a very cool and balmy 19 degrees Celsius. Kim Addis, how are you? I'm fantastic and I'm so happy to be talking to you today. Well, we're just talking before you press record. It's um, There's a slight time difference. It's it's uh, full, full disclosure, it's 10 p.m. here in uh, just north of Melbourne in the Macedon Ranges and I believe where you are, Kim, it's 8 a.m. 8 a.m. Had to wake up bright and shiny to um, <laughs> be here today. <laughs> Sensational. So, hey, I'm looking forward to this conversation. Um, for those listening, Kim is the founder of Frame of Mind Coaching, but also the co-founder of the journal That Talks Back. So um, I noted in your bio, Kim, that you are a, a leadership coach, author, speaker, entrepreneur, coach, mum of five. Crazy. Is there anything you don't do? Uh, there's lots I don't do. I have a cleaning lady, so I don't do <laughs> bathrooms or bathtubs. I'm terrible at those. Well, and a person that's so busy, you've got to actually work out where you need to spend your time and where you need to spend your energy. So who wants to go and clean bathrooms? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you got, you got to figure out what your skill set is also, right? Absolutely. I concur. Yeah. In fact, I also, we, we I also used... don't do accounting. No, I that's don't good. do that. No, I don't do either. Just that's what yeah. the accountant's for. I was just exactly. going to say we've we've had a um we've had a cleaner in the past, but uh, for a few various reasons, they they sort of moved on, moved towns, um, broke up with their partner, so hence they left. And it's uh, it's amazing how you can get used to a cleaner, and when you don't have a cleaner, um, again, full disclosure, how you can let things go a little bit until it has to be. There clean. you go. Yes, <laughs> you can. But we're not here to talk about cleaning bathrooms. We're here to talk about leadership and coaching and all things executive coaching. So um, really looking forward to this conversation. As we said before the we press record, have no idea where this is going to go, but I do believe that whatever we end up talking about, there will be people out there who are just at the right place at the right time, ready to listen to the right message. So um, perfect. we'll get into it. So love to know a little bit about uh, the story of Kim Addis. I know it's a fairly lengthy background you've been in the coaching industry for quite a while uh really just for the listeners i'd love to know a little bit about uh where you have come from um and really what led you into what you do today because it's actually a fascinating role that you perform 
Yeah. So I would call myself a serial entrepreneur. And so okay. before I started Frame of Mind Coaching, I owned another business. I owned a software company uh, that used to build simulation-based assessments. And the purpose of those assessments was to help companies make better hiring decisions. Now, keep in mind, I've been doing this for 20 years and I did that for 10 years prior to that. And so, you know, the simulations we were building were not nearly as cool or sophisticated as the ones you see today, but at the time it was pretty leading edge. And the company grew to a sizable place and I ended up selling my company. And right after that, I got hired in Toronto. I got recruited, I got poached, you could say, by a um, by a coaching company, a local coaching company. Okay. And I lasted with them for about eight months. And the reason I did not last very long is that when you're an entrepreneur and you try to go and work for someone else, it's a losing battle because, you know, your character just doesn't fit with, with working for someone else. It's, it's a struggle when in your mind you think things should be different than they are, right? Like you're like, Uh, but at the same time, I had an opportunity to observe how they coach. Mm -hmm. And in the back of my mind, I kept thinking, I think they're doing it wrong. I think there's a better way. I think they're missing the boat. I think they're coaching company, coaching company. And at the time it was a sizable coaching company too. Yeah. But I felt like they were missing a very, very key and fundamental element that needed to be in place for coaching to be successful and effective Mm. so i thought to myself i think i could do a better job i think so after eight months months, we agreed to part ways and i think we were both relieved to be honest um because i was clearly like you know What's the expression? A bull in a China China shop. China shop. <laughs> I, I was I was thrashing about in that in that place. I just was not at home at all, and so I left. And I remember feeling this huge sense of relief when I left that place, like as if I've just been given my freedom again. And I decided to start my own company. And I had this idea and the idea was, I think that people know how to build plans. I think that people know what they are supposed to be doing, mm-hmm. but they're not getting it done. The question is why? Yeah. Why not? What's getting in their way? What's stopping them? What's interfering with their ability to take the action they know to be necessary to take? Wow. And if then... I could understand what's getting in the way and yeah. move that thing out of the way, now I'll be effective as a coach. And I decided that the most important thing was to understand how people think. What's going on inside? What do they believe to be true? What are their priorities? What do they think about themselves, about the world around them? What's the conversation they're having internally in their heads? And how does that conversation affect their ability to take or not take action Mm. and that's where it all started and uh, I mean it's it's been nearly 20 years as you said and so we developed at the time a methodology for coaching that is very unique it's not wildly used out there although I have a plan and (laughs) uh, it's gonna go viral 
it's gonna go viral yes well it's not it's got to go viral but with my assistance um and and i my i am biased of course but i think i believe i have a team of coaches now i mean we've been doing this for a while um i think that the coaching we deliver is second to none because of the methodology the approach we use and so you mentioned before that people had a plan but they had something blocking them from executing that plan i'm just curious because my experience with with coaching um both since i left corporate but also when i was in corporate a lot of it tended to be and it's no just disrespect to the companies or the coaches in the companies but very surface level so i tended to just sit with uh the actions or the behaviors and if we weren't getting the result that we looked like getting or we wanted to get then we just look at what are the actions that we are taking or not taking. And if we change them, then the belief was, well, if we change the actions, we'll change the result and that will be yes. sustainable. Yes. Um, was that something that you also experienced? And, and, and Yes, and exactly found? that. Exactly yeah. that. And the formula was at the time at this company that I was working with, it was that, so they were working specifically with real estate professionals. And so the idea was let's, help you build a business plan and on that plan there will be let's say a whole bunch of milestones and actions to take and as your coach i will hold you accountable to the actions and make sure you're doing all the things you need to do in order to reach your goals it sounds perfectly logical it does right the problem is that it's not enough to tell somebody to do something Right. Because if if I knew what to do, why why am I not just doing it? That's right. And the other the other problem is, and I'm I'm very, I believe strongly in this. I think the accountability model in coaching is unethical at best and detrimental at worst. Tell me more about that. That's interesting because you often hear people in the coaching industry or or mentors that say, you know what, I'm going to hold you accountable because that's my role. Uh, We don't necessarily have a line management, uh, or in some cases we might, but in a lot of cases we won't. There's not a line management relationship, but my role is to make sure that you're doing the things that you said you were going to do. So I'm going to keep you accountable to yourself. So really interesting because you mentioned your your selling methodology and your coaching methodology is quite unique. Um, I'd love to know a little bit more about that how we in coach? terms of okay. no no, yeah. no well, well, well first of all let's talk about accountability accountability we'll bit, talk right? about, yeah, yeah we'll talk about both because that's an so, interesting take on it yes so well for starters my job as a co- coach isn't to hold you accountable my job as a coach is to say why aren't you being accountable mm. why aren't you taking responsibility for yourself yeah why do you need someone to hold you accountable but why is it unethical Because let's say I'm coaching you, Darren, and I hold you accountable. And it's great. You're doing all the things you need to be doing. What happens when I go away? (laughs) Right? Thank God Kim's left. She's not going to put pressure on me anymore. No, but what happens when I go away? What I've created is a system of dependency. And that, to me, isn't ethical in coaching. But here's where it becomes even more complicated you come and you hire me as a coach. Why? Because you're frustrated. Why? Because you're not reaching your goals and you need some assistance. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So now I hold you accountable. And 
And the reason that you need accountability is because you're not doing the things you're supposed to be doing. Now we say, okay, well, here are the things you're supposed to be doing. I'm going to hold you accountable. And you still don't get it done. Yeah. Now what? You came to me feeling bad. Now you hired me and you're still not getting it done. How do you feel about yourself now? Even worse. Even but if worse. I'm not, and if I'm not taking responsibility, I might even blame you for the fact that I'm not taking responsibility. Right. So what I've done is I've, I've taken a bad situation and I've secured the idea that it's going to be worse for you. Hmm. You're not leaving more empowered in either situation. Right. Absolutely. So this accountability model in coaching is wildly flawed. Hmm. It's the wrong approach. So you, know you don't the need next... to answer to me. Like, who no. am I that you're, you should answer to me? Right. No, exactly. The question exactly. is, why aren't you answering to yourself? Yes. And that's the work of a coach It's yeah. to say, what exactly is going on here yeah. that's causing you to be paralyzed and not do the things that you really want to do? Yeah. What's yeah. getting in the way? So yeah. now you asked about the approach, the coaching approach. Well, because I was going to I was going to say if, if accountability is um, creating that level of dependency, and I often talk about in leadership, the codependent relationship, which I think is very similar in that my team are expecting me to be there to solve their problems. And in some walked way, I'm expecting my team to come to me with all the problems and I'll hold them accountable, but I'll also help them fix those problems. So that continues to feed the beast and we we have this codependent relationship. Um, I can yes. see how that also works with a coaching um, relationship. The obvious question to, to, to follow that is, okay, we've got people listening to this right now who are leaders, sales leaders, who may be in a coaching industry and they're saying, hey, I, I actually do keep people accountable, but I try to drive individual accountability. What, what, well, what's... this whole thing about holding people accountable is an exhausting task. Yeah. Right. So, so I don't want to hold anybody accountable. It's tough enough to hold myself accountable. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Correct. Yeah. Cause so, I don't want to clean bathrooms. Right. Right. So <laughs> the job is the job of a leader isn't to hold people accountable, it's to create accountability and an accountable team. How's mm. that? Yeah. Right. So, so in other words, I have a team of individuals who all show up and do their part. And I don't have to hold a stick over them. I don't have to hold the carrot over them. I don't have to do any of that. I need to support them. Yeah. I need to help them work through some of their challenges. Sure. I don't need to solve their problems. They're yeah. intelligent, capable human beings. But I need to create an environment where working through problems is possible. Because mm. we're human. We're yeah. human. We have issues, right? We do. So so how do I get that done? But let, let's talk about the coaching model because I believe my coaching model is unique and it's very different. It's not standard out there yet again in the world. Yeah. Um, what, I, what I felt 20 years ago when I started coaching was I want to get into people's heads. I want to yeah. understand what they're saying to themselves. I want to understand how they see themselves, what they believe to be true, how they operate in the world. I want to understand their experiences and the, how those experiences have impacted them. So, for example, as a salesperson, if I've experienced, um, you know, very severe rejection, that's going to impact how I feel about sales today. 
Yes. Right. Or if I've experienced very negative experiences with salespeople, it's going to impact how I feel about salespeople yeah. and so on. Right. So I want to understand that chatter that's going on inside people's heads. So how do I get that done? I ask them to journal. When you journal, you're journaling to yourself, except that I want to read their journals. So this is not a secret journal with a key. It's something that Kim has to read. Jur- it's a secret journal between the coach and the client. Yeah. So so we work with a highly driven population. We work with people who are very, very intent on moving forward fast. Speed is an issue for them. So we create a very intense front end coaching process. What happens is there's a call every week. We record every call. Why do we record every call? So that the client can listen to the recording. Yeah. When the client listens to the recording, they're hearing themselves speak. They're hearing what they're talking about and the stories they tell over and over again and the problems and the challenges they express repeatedly. And what we're trying to do is provide them with insight that they don't normally have. Nobody Mm. actually listens to themselves after the fact. Nobody says, hey, how did I show up over there? How do I show up? They just carry on, right? There's no self-reflection. The second part of it, again, is that they are journaling with their coach every single day. No days off, no weekends, no vacations for 10 solid weeks. Mm -hmm. So what happens is at the beginning of the week, they get a journaling question or a prompt. And every time they journal, their coach will read and respond to their journal. So they're in contact with their coach every single day. So what happens when you're in touch with your coach every single day? Number one, you're doing the work every single day. You're doing the the hard work, the deep work, the self-reflective work. You're doing the work. When you do the work every day, just like any salesperson, what happens? They make progress. That's number one. Number two is when you are journaling every day and I'm your coach, I'm learning about you every day. And so I'm getting really critical data points that allow me to understand your patterns, your patterns of thought, your behaviors, your past experiences. And those patterns help me understand What is getting in the way today? What's still at play from perhaps your past or your past experiences or your belief system that's interfering with your ability to naturally and easily succeed? Now you're giving me the information I need. I'm learning. Oh, well, this thing that happened to you back then is still playing a role today. Or this um, relationship you have in your current day life and the way you're interacting with this human being isn't really allowing you to get to your goals. Your approach here is interfering. Why Mm. is your approach interfering? Because you're being combative, because you imagine that this person is your competitor. Well, what if we can look at that a little bit differently? And I'm just, you know, fabricating stories right now. But the data provides the coach with very, very valuable information that they would not get otherwise. But then mm-hmm. there's a third thing that happens. And this is where the magic takes place. Now imagine you're journaling with me every single day. And I'm on the other end of your journal, reading and responding to your journal every day. You're sharing what's going on inside of you. And I'm here to receive it, right? You're in safe hands, you're receiving it. And yeah. I'm reading it and I'm asking critical questions and I'm encouraging you and I'm challenging you sometimes, etc but I am here. I'm on this journey with you. We're in a boat. We're rowing together. What kind of relationship do we build? 
well, a really strong one, but one based on trust and one based on accountability. No accountability. I'm not holding no. you accountable. No, but you're one based individual on accountability. Exactly. Individual accountability. But what's happening is this deep, deep level of intimacy and trust. Hmm. And when that happens, and only when that happens in the coaching relationship, does the client move at lightning speed yeah. because they're willing to go to places, complex places that they wouldn't normally go because yeah. they're not feeling that sense of safety. So yeah. That's where the absolute magic takes place, where we are able to propel people much further than any other system in place. And based so on that, because just a little passionate. <laughs> well, if you've been doing it for twenty years, you'd, you'd expect you to be passionate about. Otherwise, you why would you do it, right? Like, why would you why would you do a job or do something for so long if you didn't love what you're doing? Um, what I was going to ask you in, re in relation to that, because what what you're saying was absolutely fascinating, and there was a couple of points there. One, which I really resonate with, is the self reflection. And as you were talking about that, the the journaling aspect, I think, is critical. And speaking from my own experience and the and the clients that I work with in a coaching capacity, it's one of the first things I get them to commit to themselves to do. Now, I don't necessarily start with a daily journal, or perhaps now having spoken to you, I should start to do that. Oh, we can talk about that because we have a piece <laughs> of software that would help you with that. But that's a whole other story. <laughs> that's right. That's right. But just to have that um, that reflection piece, just to reflect on what's working, what's not working, is gold. Because and we'll talk about challenges that we find in in you know times like twenty twenty three and and beyond, um, and what you're seeing over in, in Canada and the clients you're working with. But in in doing that, it starts to build a habit around reflection. And I was the other question I was going to ask you about that is. Was it through testing and measuring through experimentation that you found that the daily reflection was the was the elixir, for want of a better term? No. Or no, when did I it started, start somewhere else? Yeah, I started asking my clients to journal from day one. And the reason I asked my clients to journal from day one is because I was terrified to be a crappy coach. I thought, what am I going to talk about with these people for a whole hour? Yeah, I'm going to die. Right. <laughs> but if I can read their journals, then I could understand what's important to them and what matters to them. I had no idea what I was on to in the beginning. When I asked them to journal, I've always been a journaler. Mm -hmm. I asked them to journal and the idea behind it at the time was it will equip me to be a better, more effective coach. Yeah, that's it. I didn't realize the power of this thing. Yeah. I didn't realize the impact it would have. I didn't realize how important it was in their own journey. I thought it's just going to give me information that I can work with on the call. To fill the hour. Right? <laughs> to fill the hour. So I was, I was inexperienced and I was nervous, you yeah. know? And so I thought this is a workaround, right? <laughs> Instead of me having to come up with all the questions, I'll just get them to journal and we'll read it. And then there might be some questions that come from that. Exactly. It'll help me feel more relaxed and at ease as a coach. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm interested now in in asking you around, because I, I work with a lot of leaders who yep. uh, always give the very 
I guess, legitimate excuse, and I've got my hands up in inverted commas, of yeah. I'm just so busy. You don't understand. I've got so much pressure on me. We've got to hit these numbers. We've got to hit these KPIs. I've got my vice president of sales, my vice president of engineering on me all the time. I just can't commit to doing this. Um, what's your take on that? Because I look at that as an excuse, but I yeah. love as a as a professional coach that's that's in it every day. What's what's yeah. your take on I, that? I I mean, it, it's an excuse that they believe, right? Yeah. They have a strong belief. But you know, I start with like, what is it that you really really want? Like, what's your single most important priority? What mm. is it that you want? And when I coach people, sure, they have practical goals that they want to achieve maybe it's specific numbers but i'm coaching the person i'm not coaching the number mm. i don't actually care what their number is right it's it what we see is people reach their goals as a result of their coaching yeah not be not because we're focused on the goal in coaching necessarily it's a bit of a backwards experience yeah because when when you think differently, your actions naturally follow. Yes. What I'm focused on is, are you maximizing your potential? Are you living your best life? Are you happy? Are mm. you in the best relationships of your life? Are you feeling good physically, mentally, emotionally, and otherwise? Yeah. Are you in a good place? Yeah. Right? Are you speaking freely? Are you... Are you saying what's on your mind are you afraid of conflict mm. how's your level of confidence yeah are you stepping forward when the opportunities arise or yeah. are you shrinking and i'm looking at the whole person mm. and when they start to see themselves clearly and realize that their behaviors are not aligned with their goals what we do is we ask why What's yep. going on behind there that's causing you to behave the way you're behaving? Mm. Let's address that thinking. Because when the thinking changes, then a different set of action naturally unfolds. So I don't have to manage action at all. Mm. Right? Your behaviors are information for me to understand why you do what you do. So your behaviors are data, but what I'm yep. not doing is managing your behaviors. Yes. What I'm doing is, is I'm helping you shift your thinking so that that your thinking is aligned with your goals and so that you can easily and naturally reach your goals so that it's not heavy lifting. So it's not torture. <laughs> Surely you know, there's not ever... people out there that think it is. Well, think about it. Like, say you're working with a sales leader and you say, well, you just need to make 100 more cold calls every day. And the person absolutely hates cold calls. Now you're at an impasse. You're not making progress that way. It's not about that. No, no. And that's what that comes back to what we were talking about at the beginning, that a lot of uh, a lot of leaders and a lot of coaches look at the surface level behaviors or the actions and they think, well, you just change the action and you'll get a different result. But we're all about, and I talk a lot about how do we create sustainable success that becomes replicable, that becomes um, leveraged. Uh, you've got to look at what are the what are the patterns of thinking, what are the what's the mindset that sits behind everything, and if you can tap into that, then it's a goldmine, and you'll never. Amen. It doesn't matter what you what you do. Exactly, you and yeah. I, we seem to be very aligned. <laughs> Except I don't journal every day, which I think I'm going to have to start to do. We'll have to talk about that. 
Well, I'm doing a leadership program tomorrow and I was going to talk to them about the importance of journaling and and uh, they know I do a podcast. And I say, okay, you're going to have to listen to the podcast with Kim because we're talking about now journaling daily and you might have to check out the um, the journal that talks back as well because I believe there's an app as well as part of that. Well, so so basically we have three divisions in our company. One is frame of mind coaching, where we coach leaders and we use uh, a journaling software that we created in-house and it's private and secure and it's been in development for, not in development, but it's been developed over the years. So it's 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 a solid product. And we called that product Journal Engine and we mm-hmm. license that out to leaders, coaches, speakers, et cetera, people like you who work with individuals who need to be coached. So yeah. that's Journal Engine. But then there's another product called the journal that talks back. And that's for individuals who want to work with a coach uh, virtually. And it's only journaling. So they journal as much as they want. And on the other end of the journal is a coach who is reading and responding to their journal. So those are three different approaches. Nice. And with that with that sort of model, because I'd like to um, you know talk about leaders and, and some of the issues we're facing with in 2023 and beyond. Does that mean that 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 coach is almost uh, real time coaching, or do they still have sessions where they sit down for an hour and talk? But it's so, a lot of the so, toing and froing. Yeah. So with frame of mind coaching, there are sessions and there's journaling. Yeah. With a journal that talks back, there are no sessions. It's just journaling. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Which, so they but can you've journal got to, you've got anytime they the want. Exactly. Yeah. Which is almost well as next to real time as you could possibly get. So, exactly based on 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 bandwidth and availability. So, um, so this is fascinating because there are. I used to work for a big corporate organization here in uh, here in Australia. You may have heard of it's a big telecommunications company called Telstra. Um, I often say to people, I, I, I'm not going to reveal the name, but I'll give you the acronym Telstra, because <laughs> hey. There are probably people listening to this who who work for Telstra, and that's all good. It was a great, great company. But the reason I brought that up is many years ago, I'm trying to remember, it's probably 2011, 2010, we had the year of the coach. And I put that in inverted commas. And the intention was the senior executives recognized that coaching as a discipline was fundamental to unleashing the potential of the sales teams. So mm-hmm. they wanted the sales leaders across the country to become sales coaches. The only problem with that is the vast majority of the sales leaders had never had any coaching uh, training. And so their idea of coaching was to do the actions, right? Go and make those extra 100 calls per week and you know increase your conversion rates by you know providing more information about the products and services. And what was fascinating, Kim, at the end of that year, I remember sitting at a sales conference and I was overhearing a group of my colleagues and about three or four of them were having a good conversation about the year that's just been. And they said, and I quote, thank God the year of the coach is over. Now we can get back to doing what we're good at. Interesting. Fascinating. So it taught me a, it taught me a really, and because that was at the time when I was thinking about making a transition out of, being a sales leader and moving into coaching and development. And I'd started Mm -hmm. that process, but it just highlighted to me that because I saw the potential of coaching in a corporate, particularly in the sales space. And I, and I got the fact that coaching just on the surface level around behaviors was not going to deliver the sustainable results and had to be deeper. But then I'm thinking, well, if we don't have 
sales leaders who are on board. But if we don't have an organization that's also on board teaching these fundamentals, what help do we do? What 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 hope do we have for the sustainability of the of the business? Yeah. Which then brings me to um, now, and I know you work with individuals, and I know you work in organisations. You said also that you sort of license the the product also into into companies and to to coaches and so forth. What are the, some of the challenges that you're seeing today, having been a coach in the industry for over twenty years, that perhaps is a bit of a blocker for for corporates where um, we don't have uh, cultures or we don't have leaders who are on board with this who think, no, no, we just got to focus on the number and I've got to get the whip out and drive as much performance as I can. Yeah, it's it's an interesting thing because, you know, usually when someone, an organization decides to work with me, they, they've heard me speak. They've uh, been exposed to me. They've received a referral or something like that. So they get my orientation from the get-go, yeah, right? Because I'm clear. I'm I'm not wishy-washy. I'm clear, right? Um, and so usually what happens for us is we actually start by working with the senior leadership team. We work with the presidents of companies. And then they say, holy smokes. That's a good word. <laughs> holy smokes, right? <laughs> holy smokes. That was life-changing, transformational, you know, I've never experienced anything like that. You need to work with my senior leadership team. And then there's a trickle down in the organization. And so we tend to attract people who, individuals, leaders who say, we've tried all this stuff over here and that hasn't really been working. We need a radically different approach. Mm. Okay, so so from a corporate, what we do see is sometimes there may be a senior leader who doesn't buy in, who isn't prepared to do the work, yeah. who isn't ready to journal, who isn't prepared to fully expose themselves, who doesn't want to do the self-reflection, who is a skimmer. Yeah. Okay, so let's say, you know, uh, there are you know, six or seven senior leaders in an organization. And I mean, senior, senior, you might find one who's like, no, nah, I'm not doing this. Yeah. You know, or fine, I'll play along, but I'm not <laughs> really doing it. <laughs> right? Yeah. Because they are so uncomfortable with exposure and yeah. they didn't go through the process of maybe hearing me speak. So sometimes when it's, handed down to the next person, the next person will say, okay, fine, I'll do it because I feel like I have no choice, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but I don't want to do it. <laughs> right. I'll yep. do the bare minimum. And so yep. we see that sometimes periodically and that'll happen. But even when people do the bare minimum, we still have impact. Yes because we're able to show and demonstrate their resistance. We're able to identify how their behaviors don't lead them to the outcomes that they want in their lives, mm. right? So even if they're playing at half mast, we still are able to have an impact and make a difference. Maybe not to the level we want, but the organization still benefits overall. Yeah. 
because ultimately it's the person who's being coached that is responsible for the transformation. It is not the coach responsible for the transformation. Right. We provide the the framework. We provide the expertise. We provide the um, the philosophy. We provide the approach. We provide amazing coaches. We provide all of that. Yeah. We provide the 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 environment, the groundwork, the all of it. Right. Mm-hmm. That they need to succeed. They yeah. also have to play along. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and there's always going to be exceptions to the rule. There's always going to be people that despite the opportunity you present to them, despite the the environment of psychological safety that you as a coach have to create, there'll still be some that say, you know what? No, I'm just going to hold something back. I'm not going to reveal all of myself. Um, for whatever reason, it could be ego, it could be the fear of, you know, who, who knows? It could be imposter syndrome. Um, yeah. But you'll never you'll never change those people, and it's you've got to be okay with that. Well, uh, and what we do is we we work with whatever they give us, even if what they give us is a hundred percent resistance. Yeah, yeah. And we say, hey, I notice resistance, <laughs> right? So we work with everything they give us. So journal resistance, please be a resistor. <laughs> and all the journaling can be all about your resistance. You know what? The I tell my <laughs> clients, you know, I want you to just show up every day. Even if your journal says, hi, I'm here. I don't want a journal. Goodbye. That's your <laughs> journal, right? <laughs> so I got one like that from a client. Hi, I'm journaling. I really don't want a journal. And that was it. That was the whole journal. Nice. And I'm like, amazing. Thank you for showing up. Like, thank you for this journal. That yes. was like already great. You showed up. You did your job. Yep. And now... And now the question is, why don't you want a journal? Yeah. So that yeah. was my question. So he needs to respond. I don't want a journal because. Yes. And that's another journal, isn't it? Insert excuse here. And it's journal. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but it, excuse, the word you use for excuse, by the way, is their beliefs. Yes. Just And those beliefs, right? When we When we are able to uncover people's beliefs is when we're starting to make progress in the coaching experience. And I think that's a really important point because we often use the iceberg model where on top of the surface, above the surface, you see the ice, um, which represents, I don't know, depending on who you talk to and which scientist, it's anything from 10 to 20%, maybe 30% of the entire iceberg. But it's the behaviors you're going to see and it's the results typically you're going to see. You're not going to see the beliefs. You're not going to see the values. You might even not see the mindset, but what you'll see is the physical manifestation of that mindset being through the behaviors you take. Um, and I exactly. think what as as you're as you're talking, I'm thinking such a powerful yet simple approach to journaling. When even if you have somebody saying, I hope I hate journaling, I don't want to journal, but they have to put that in, which means they're journaling and you're actually doing the thing you don't want to do, but thank you for doing it. And the more you do it, what's going to happen is a new belief is going to form. And a new habit's going to form. And this is why I think the power that I'm realizing is you can't just do this once a week. You've got to do it every single day. Every day. Every day. And, and you if you miss one. Once a week, I'll tell you why. Well, I'm not here to beat anybody over the head. That's not my yeah. job, right? Yeah. But I'm here to be on the other end. And the key is, like, you got to milk this experience. In what, in what, time frame of your life will you have someone who's on your team relentlessly without fail 
here helping you work on you mm. right it doesn't exist in the world there's yeah there's no other structure where there's somebody else by your side every single day even on the weekends there's that doesn't happen yeah so let's go let's go together yeah yeah and when people do that even when you're married that doesn't happen (laughs) (laughs) well no it probably doesn't (laughs) doesn't happen no it doesn't it doesn't so when when you when you say that it's it's literally the gift of an attention of a coach there so we always i always talk about the fact that as a leader the greatest gift you can give your team is a gift of your attention so as a coach giving the gift of your attention when you're there responsive on a daily basis to ask those challenging questions and maybe hold the either the real mirror or the meta- metaphorical mirror up there and not accept the excuses but ask questions based on curiosity um, and build that intimate level of trust. That's where the transformation comes from. It's absolutely so powerfully transformational. Yeah. And and to be honest, it's not only transformational for the client. It's It's transformational transformational for the coach as well. Every, Every time I have a coaching session with a client, I walk away somehow impacted. Well, it's interesting you say that because I remember going through the coaching um, coaching accreditation years ago and one of our mentors would always say, every single coaching session you run, you think you're coaching another person, you're really coaching yourself. 100%. Because you are but a mirror of the environment that you're in. So yeah, um, absolutely fascinating. So um, from a perspective then of, of leaders out there, because I know people will be sitting there thinking and listening to this and thinking, okay, I've got enough on my plate because ideally we want to have leaders acting as coaches as well. Now, not every organization is, I mean, you'd probably love it and I I would as well. Every come and employ us to be coaches into their organization. But um, the fact is that there's, there's lots of other coaching organizations out there. And, and I think similar to you, probably I'm not, not going to put words in your mouth, but on a bit of a mission to try and, um, create environments out there where what's that teach leaders how to coach well each leader should have a coach absolutely but no 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 um, but teaching leaders how to coach oh absolutely yes absolutely 100 percent. we we need to have leaders who are coaches who actually prioritize that and not prioritize the rubbish that they sometimes do and and my own experience is sitting down doing spreadsheets and forecasting what the sales are going to look like for the next week next month allocating time so for the people who will sit there and say, hey, Kim, I just don't have time to do this, right? It's okay for you. You've got, a, you've got an app and all that sort of stuff. Um, what, are some, what are some guidelines or some advice you can give leaders to start to build the muscle around coaching where they can build that level of, uh, I guess, trust with their team? So it's not always yeah. about the results, but yeah. they take a real interest in, in their team. And there's some things well, that they can start to think about. Yeah. So one of the most important things that happens as a result of coaching. So there's like layers, there's always layers, layers to everything. But the first layer is 
when I coach you, you are able to observe how I coach. And one of the things that's very important is I literally, as I coach you, I explain to you what I'm doing, right? So you're getting exposed to how coaching works, Mm -hmm. but then you come to the table with your challenges. Oh, you know, this guy didn't perform today, or this guy's being, you know, lazy or this guy, you know, you're, you're bringing the problems. And as you're bringing the problems to the table, we are equipping you as a better leader, which includes coaching skills. Yeah, It must. So we literally teach you how to have those conversations. What are you looking for? How do you move someone forward? How do you become a better leader? Mm. Right. And on and on. So it's built into the coaching process. However, over and above all of that, we have something, we, we certify people in what we call the frame of mind coaching methodology. And most of the people who go through certification are individuals who are leaders in their organizations who simply want to be more effective leaders. Mm-hmm. So now after their coaching period, and they may have gone through 10 weeks or a year or even five years of coaching, it doesn't really matter. They are invited. Now they're eligible to come in for certification. And we have a two-step process. They come to Toronto for a a three-day, very intensive in-person event. And then uh, where they learn the foundation of coaching, like the methodology of coaching. Why do we do it this way? How do you coach someone? How do you have a coaching conversation? What are the coaching steps? What are you looking for in the conversation, et cetera? How do you take it from one place to the next? What are the building blocks in the coaching process? Yeah. And then the second part is, okay, now you have an opportunity to practice coaching, right? So we certify people in this methodology and specifically designed to provide leaders with an accelerated level of coaching skill. And the, 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 the philosophy is great leaders are great coaches. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Yeah. And so I hear that and I'm hey I'm I drink the elixir every single day and I'm on exactly the same page. I say if you're not a uh, if you're not a, if you're not coaching your team, you're not uh, you're not serving your team. Don't and and don't Agreed. do not do not think that just because you're there in a leadership position that you've got the title. You might have the corner office. You might even have a real plant, not a rubber plant. You might have a nice car spot. <laughs> you don't necessarily deserve to lead your team if you're not coaching them. I agree. Like we are just very aligned. It seems. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So based on your experience then and what you're seeing today, what are what are some of the key challenges that uh, leaders are faced with? Because there's so many different competing priorities. Um, we'd love to have them, you know, go through certification. We'd love to have them have those coaching conversations, create the space, et cetera. What are some of the key yeah. challenges you're finding that uh, we might better help with? I see that leaders struggle in four key areas. Mm-hmm. And I see this pretty consistently across leaders. Number one is that leaders feel very, very isolated. Like nobody gets me, nobody understands, nobody's in my shoes. The burden of responsibility is on my shoulders alone. I, you know, I'm having trouble relating to people. I'm not connecting with people. I'm in this world alone. Like this, this sense of isolation. So yep. that's number one. Number two is that they have friction with others. Um, so this this weird kind of sometimes it's obvious conflict with others, like they 
to have a battle, an argument, but a lot of times it's this quiet battle that they have with others where inside of themselves, they just, they, you know, other people don't get them. Other people aren't working as hard. Other people aren't rolling up their sleeves. Other people don't have the same sense of urgency or priority. Other people are lazy. Other people don't get their mission, right? Other people aren't performing as well, et cetera. And so there's this internal friction that they have with others. And that could be both personal and professional. And so they have a lot of judgment about what other people are doing or not doing, how they should be doing what they're doing. And inside of them, this causes unrest, let's call it. Yeah. Right. So we have isolation. We have this, this, this conflict with others. We have number three is what I would call chronic dissatisfaction. So there are leaders who feel like they are not living up to their potential, like something's wrong with them, something's slowing them down. They don't understand what it is. Do they lack confidence? And they're inside, inside, they're not at rest. They're unsettled because they feel like they should be further ahead. And they're not sure, is it them? Is it their team? Like what's going on here? Yeah. You know, why aren't they performing better than they are? Why aren't they living a happier life? Why, why isn't the world shining upon them? Right. And last but not least, it's a term I invented. It's called slippage. And what is slippage? Slippage is when these leaders are so busy working their lives that they let very important things slip through their the cracks. They're not yeah. sleeping well. They're not eating well. They're maybe drinking too much. They're not having a whole lot of fun. And they're not attending to life, right? Like their body gets tired. They have no energy. They're not having fun. They're not spending time with friends. They don't take time off. They don't take vacation on the weekends. They're still working. And and they let what I I think very important things just slip through the cracks, and so they're they're drained. Wow, that's um interesting. Interesting. I I yes, would. Yes, do you agree? Oh, hundred percent. Because as you were talking about that in terms of slippage, I'm thinking. Well, I guess that's where a lot of people can turn to. Um, ended up having you know addictive behaviors created whether that be as you said drinking workaholism um the fear of missing out um just all these chronic things that overspending yeah Yeah. all that sort of stuff and so for these challenges isolation friction with others the chronic dissatisfaction and the slippage um I know this is all going to come full circle that's why that's why the leaders need a coach (laughs) Because if that, and and when you think about it as leaders, if we've got leaders who are experiencing either one of those, two of those, or all of those, then knowing that the team is a reflection of the leader, what's going to start to play out in the team is some of those symptoms and some of those challenges. But perhaps the leader might be a little bit, uh, let's just say, blinded to that because they're dealing with their own shit. Excuse the French. Exactly. And they're not happy. They're not like, like these leaders just simply, they're not happy. They're not at peace. They're, you know, in a state of dis-ease. Yes. Which can very quickly manifest into disease. Exactly. Um, absolutely. Yep. Which yep. then, which then kind of moves then to say, well, because it, 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 the, the first part of that is awareness. Um, 
And so if you've got a leader who's experiencing some of those, it's important to build some, I guess, resilience. I know you talk a lot about emotional resilience. Yeah. Is there any is there any things that we can be as leaders um, working on in order to build this this emotional resilience to take care of some of these things or at least move in the direction of removing dis-ease? Yeah, so... You know, for me, what is emotional resilience? Emotional resilience is the ability to bounce back from adversity with speed and agility and leverage the adversity somehow. So something Mm. bad just happened. So how do I turn it into an advantage? How do I make it work for me? Well, Beyond what am I learning from this, which is a good start, but how do I actually do something with this? Yeah, yeah. Um, and And I think that's a practice, you know? And it's, it's a way of thinking. It's an approach. And so when we coach people, we're naturally building their resilience because every time they come to the table and say, well, this bad thing happened or this challenge happened, we say, okay, great. Awesome. Amazing. We love challenges. So how, how can we take this challenge and make it work for you? So we're literally, we teach people and we help them practice the skill of resilience every time that they journal and have a coaching conversation. So our goal, in fact, is to build resilience. Yeah. You know, I can't tell you how many people who are adults come to the table and say, well, when I was young, this happened to me. And, you know, my parents did a terrible job. Yeah. Okay. Right. So so now what are we going to do with it? Yeah. And how is it impacting you now? Right. And so, So part of resilience is going back and understanding the the past. It's not living in the past. I have no desire to do that. But understanding how the past plays a role in the present Mm -hmm. and deciding that does the story I tell of the past have value right now? If not, let's tell a different story. That's it. Let's let's make it mean something new. Let's use it better. Right. Which means you rewrite your own story. You're rewriting your own story. Yeah. And you're helping people interpret their challenges differently. Yeah. And you're helping them build the ability to see themselves handling those challenges with greater fluidity. Right. It's okay. So a challenge comes. I don't have to fight everything that comes my way. Absolutely. And I don't have to. And, I, and the big thing about that is stuff's going to happen. Um, and sometimes we don't have a choice as to what happens. But what we do have a choice on is what we choose to make it mean, first of all. And second of all, what actions or what behaviors I'm going to put in place in response to what's happened, which yes, means I have, I have power in terms of what I then do, which means I can rewrite the story. So whether we exactly. call it reframing or whatever the case might be, it's, it, and we're doing this all the time. Yes. And when people are journaling, they're literally rewriting. Yeah. Which is rewiring the brain. Yes. Brilliant. Brilliant. So phenomenal. Phenomenal. Uh, I'm conscious of time because we only had an hour. <laughs> Got another meeting to get to. Um, really enjoyed this conversation, Kim. I, for the for leaders listening to this right now, uh, well, I'm going to ask you two questions. The first question is, what piece of advice would you leave leaders with right now? Um, I think the most important piece of advice is this. When you're struggling with something, 
usually our knee-jerk reaction is, okay, so like I must be doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. What should I do differently? And I'm going to suggest that rather than taking new action immediately, because eventually you have to take action, but rather yep. than jumping to taking action, I want you to ask yourself, how am I thinking about this problem? What mm-hmm. beliefs do I have? that are causing me to feel struggle right now. What are my beliefs? And I do recommend you pull up a piece of paper or uh, find a journaling app or something like that and write it down. Yeah. Write down, what do I believe to be true about this person, this situation, this this experience, this challenge that's causing me to feel so angry, bad, whatever, frustrated. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my piece of advice. Don't jump to action take a moment to think about your thinking and ask yourself if your thinking is lined up with the goal that you have mm-hmm. in this circumstance. Yeah. Because the act of writing it down, whether it be on an app or on a piece of paper, it's kinesthetic. It gets out of your head onto a piece of paper. And there, there's a, there's, I don't know how you describe it. I don't know whether it's a kinesthetic processing. I don't, I don't know what, what it's called, but um, getting it out of your head and onto a piece of paper seems to be therapeutic is my experience. Yes, definitely. Yeah. But also then you can judge whether or not your thinking is getting you, leading you to the outcomes you want. Which presupposes that you have to have. Doesn't. No, which also means the, the presupposition there is you need to know what your outcome is. Or the outcome you want. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, brilliant piece of advice. And last, the last question I've got for you is people who are listening who would like to know a little bit more about you, connect with you, but also uh, learn a little bit more about either Frame of Mind Coaching or the journal that talks back or the other app, which you meant, which I don't have top journal of Journal Engine. Journal Engine. Um, where's the best <laughs> place for them to do so? Best place is Frame of Mind Coaching has all of it. You can go to frameofmindcoaching.com. Okay. But you can also go to the journal that talks back.com or journalengine.com. It's all there. And if you don't want to do that, you can Google Kim Addis, just my name, and it'll lead you somewhere good. <laughs> Brent. Brent. Kim, greatly appreciate you on uh, on a beautiful Tuesday morning in uh, in Canada with the sun shining through the window there. It's uh it's yeah. approaching 9.01 now a.m it's just ticked over 11.01 p.m. here. It's uh, pitch black outside. Um, I want to thank for you bed. for, um, what's that? It's time for bed. Well, nearly, nearly time for bed, yes. Um, but we we work at all hours. <laughs> That's what we do. Uh, no, I want to seriously thank you for coming on to the podcast. I really enjoyed this conversation. And um, as a coach myself, uh, you've actually taught me a lot. And um um, I'm going to start with tomorrow. I'm having a conversation with a group of leaders tomorrow about journaling, and it ain't going to be the weekly journal. We're going to talk daily now. So thank you. Amazing. Well, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. And I love meeting you. I hope we do uh, stay in touch. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks again. Greatly appreciated. Thank you for listening to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. I trust the information in this episode has been helpful in your journey towards becoming exceptional. And remember, please take the time to rate the show, subscribe to the show so other people can find it. But also, if I can help you, jump on my calendar, go to leadwithdarren.com and let's have a conversation about how I can help you along your journey to being exceptional.